minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. And I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ross Ugg Uglum. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. And if you don't understand that reference, Ross, I don't want you to talk about this podcast because I want to I wanna put a, sprinkle a little bit of love on it. If you have not listened to Packer Report's new podcast with uh, Ross Uglum and the grave digger, Gilbert Brown, I don't, I quite frankly, I don't know what you're doing with your life. It is pure gold. It is so good. Um, if you grew up in the 90s or, or an older Packer fan, basically any Packers fan older than probably like 25, you obviously know who Gilbert Brown is. And quite frankly, if you're even younger than that, you still probably know who, who Gilbert Brown is. Um, it's been a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, so make sure you're getting out on iTunes and and giving that a listen, giving it a five-star review, leaving a comment on it. Um, I know Gilbert's looking at those. So if you're looking for a way uh, to to communicate with one of you know a Packers Hall of Fame and really an all-time fan favorite, uh, super interactive podcast as well. So uh, congratulations to you on that, Ross. And uh, it's been really awesome to to listen to that and to hear that stuff. Um, Pat, obviously Ross is the editor and owner of PackerReport.com. Um, Ross, what else is going on over at Packer Report right now? Uh, tons of stuff, man. We've got, uh, really, really great film stuff from Dusty Evely. Um, our, our guy, Andy Herman's grades are weekly. He's added a feature called report card that I find really cool. Mark Eckel is just a wealth of awesome stories and experience. 31 years uh, on the Eagles beat, so obviously 31 years in the NFC. Uh, he's seen a ton of Packers, Eagles, and grew up uh, in Wisconsin as a Packers fan. And And Mark uh, had a really cool story about Zeke Bratkowski, who was uh, Bart Starr's backup that we lost, uh, you know, not too not too long ago there, he had a cool Zeke story and uh, just brings something kind of refreshing as far as a little bit of experience added into our group of relatively young Packers contributors. But uh, we're having an absolute blast, as I mentioned on Twitter earlier in the week. I mean, this is my dream job and I'm treating it that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been a ton of fun. Um, it's been a ton of fun to... Uh, just kind of watch you grow in that role as well, which so, uh, you know, even though I'm right in there with you guys, it's it's still fun just to kind of watch everybody kind of grow into what they're what they're doing. And uh, been a lot of a lot of cool stuff. I know right now there's a uh, there's always a special going on, you know, over at 24 uh, seven. But right now uh, it's you know, it's 30 uh, percent, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. 30 percent annually right now if you want to get signed up and also. Uh, $1, uh, just $1 if you want to sign up for the month. Um, I believe that's that's a pretty low commitment as well. $1 for one month. If you like it, uh, come on back. If you don't like it, no harm, no foul, $1 out of your pocket. Yeah, the, the easiest way to do it is just honestly to try us out for a buck. Uh, find out if you can live without the VIP content. And if you can, that's that's fine. You know, We still appreciate you uh, coming by, obviously. And then if, if you do, just switch over to that annual, uh, you know, that annual price instead of going for, uh, 
you know, nine ninety five a month, you're going to be right down around the six bucks uh, range if you figure out the math for the annual pass. And once your promotional period expires, you get the commercial free version of CBS All Access included. That's a ninety nine dollar value. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous value for our subscribers. You get live NFL football, uh, all of the CBS programming you could ever want. And there are also some really cool uh, CBS all-access only shows that are not available, obviously, on broadcast uh, TV or any of the other CBS affiliates on cable. So uh, an awesome value, certainly. Yeah, so check it out. Um, and that's over at PackerReport.com. Um, but Ross, we are moving on, man. We are into week 10, uh, uh, right? Week 10 or week 11, whatever. It's Packers 10th game coming off a of bye week. Obviously a huge game, huge game coming up against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but before we talk about that, and we will talk about that, I think it's always fun to kind of look at these bye weeks as it's, and it's really not the halfway point for the Packers. It's, it's, we're beyond the halfway point. Um, but a couple things about bye weeks and something I was kind of thinking about today. One, the Packers are extremely, extremely healthy. Uh, very good news. I believe they had every single person on the practice field today. But uh, even beyond that, something that's beneficial, you know, obviously you want to get healthy during the bye week. I think that's typically the thing that people look to to say, that's what we need. We need this bye week to get healthy. The Packers really didn't. Um, yeah, they've had some guys dinged up that I'm sure will be healthier coming off this bye week. Um, so you start looking at kind of the secondary things um, that might be beneficial for this bye week. And if the first thing on their list really wasn't getting healthy, one thing that I think is really interesting to talk about is, you know, this bye week is later than in the season than the Packers have ever had. And one thing that's really important about the bye week is is your self-scouting. And what Matt LaFleur talked about was the offense was basically going to put together a plan to how how would we attack this defense and vice versa. So the coaches are basically doing self-scouting on their teams. And whenever you're doing self-scouting, um, what's not beneficial about having a bye week like week four, five, or six is you, you just don't really know who you are as a team yet. You still are trying to sift through that and try to figure that out. Now, having a bye week as opposed to now, this late in the season, whenever you're trying to put together data, whenever you're looking at analytics, the more, um, the more, the bigger the sample size, the better. The Packers absolutely should know who they are as a football team right now, and they should know what they do really well and what they need to improve on. Um, there's really no ands, ifs, or buts about it. So it's it'll be really interesting to see what they can do with that now to get ready for this stretch run, Ross. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, specifically, as far as getting healthy, I think you're going to see incremental things that are maybe more important than, oh, they got this guy back or they got that guy back. Can they get back to 100% of Marquez Valdez scantling? I think that would be a huge deal for this offense because he hasn't been right since he took that lower leg hit. And you know what? Credit to him for gutting it out and playing in that Raiders game because he, he flipped the game on its head. I mean, he completely... Uh, those might only have been two catches, but they were absolute monsters. Uh, maybe we get 100% Devontae Adams instead of 85% Devontae Adams, who, by the way, is still uh, probably one of the best 10 or 15 receivers in the league at 85%. Uh, maybe we get the Darnell Savage we saw in the first four weeks instead of the guy that we've seen in the last two. I think that would be key uh, for this team. So it's not necessarily 
just about getting guys back, but no one is at absolute 100%. I think that you might see a couple of guys, especially David Bakhtari and Kenny Clark, that against San Francisco are going to be as close as they can possibly get. Yeah, and you hit you hit all the guys that I was thinking about, too, that are a little bit dinged up, um, that if you can get them healthy for the stretch run, uh, watch out. You know, who knows? It's anybody's game. If if I know anything about the NFL this season, it's that nobody's perfect. There's not a perfect team out there. Everybody's beatable, including the Packers. You know, and so that's what's going to be interesting. Is it's really going to be anybody's ball game when we get to the playoffs. But with the bye week, I think uh, it's always fun to kind of look at this point in the season and say, you know, some a little bit so some superlatives for this team thus far. And the the four things I want to talk about, Ross, are one. Who's team MVP right now? Uh, who is the defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, and rookie of the year? So I'll, I'll open the floor for you, Ross, with after 10 weeks of playing, who is this team's uh, MVP? Uh, you know, it's it, it's easy to try and, you know, make the like, smart pick or, ah, let me let me get this guy that that, you know, not everybody's thinking of. Guys, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers has, you know, maybe not been the 2011, I'm going to absolutely dice everybody up quarterback, but his management of the game is the reason that the Packers have the record that they do. And it's the reason that right now uh, he is Pro Football Focus's fourth graded quarterback. Uh, I, I don't think you can really make a case that there are, you know, if you have a top four quarterback in the league, which I buy this, I mean, I'm here with this. Uh, if you have a top four quarterback in the league that he can't, that he's not going to be the MVP of your team. He is going to be the MVP of your team. That's just the nature of the beast. It's the nature of, of football. Uh, if you have an elite quarterback, he drags, everything with him. I mean, that's that's just the way that football works. It's the way that the Packers offense works. Uh, this is an eight and two team. I, I mean, I can't imagine they'd be much better than four and six with Tim Boyle. And that is the definition of value. People say, oh, Aaron Jones, you know, MVP, Zadarius Smith, MVP. Guys, they aren't three, four, five games different in record. Uh, if Rashawn Gary has to take Zadarius Smith's snaps or if Jamal Williams has to take Aaron Jones's snaps, the only guy that really, you know, would cause the ship to go down is number 12. Yeah. And I, I like that because you're you're basically saying, you know, sometimes the most obvious call is still, it's the, right still the right one. <laughs> and and another guy that I think that lives by that philosophy, and I'm going to, for mine, just to kind of be different than you, uh, to give another perspective, I think another guy that buys that philosophy is Coach Matt LaFleur. I understand he's not a player, but when you talk about just individual men that have been the most valuable for this team, I think outside of Rodgers, you have to look at LaFleur. What he's been able to come in and do for this team, uh, it, it's remarkable. And I don't even know if people truly appreciate how a young coach has been able to come in and completely take over the culture of this team and do what he's been able to do for these Packers. You've seen it around the league, and I think it's almost getting kind of worn out looking at all the other rookie coaches and how they've struggled. Yes, they don't have the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. 
but that does it doesn't matter. The Packers had Aaron Rodgers last year. This team was a dumpster fire. So just I, I love what Matt LaFleur is doing. I'm super excited to see what he's able to do after a bye week. That's really the last thing that we haven't seen him do this year is what is he able to put together for a team with a week off? Not just this week against the 49ers, but for this, you know, these last six games and this stretch run. So Matt LaFleur would be my team MVP, uh, most valuable person. <laughs> so uh, that's what I go with him for as far as defensive player of the year. Um, I think it's an obvious choice again, and um, you'll probably agree with me as well. I think Zadarius Smith, for all for a lot of the same reasons I just talked about Matt LaFleur. Zadarius has been more uh, more than just a guy getting after the quarterback. He has completely changed the culture of this defense, and I get this defense has not been great the last few weeks, but where would they be without Zadarius? I mean, last week, Press or two weeks ago, Preston Smith kind of got the pub with the two sacks, but you look at pressure rates and Zadarius, he's unbelievable what he's doing this year. And, um, you know, pressure is production. And that's something that I think people buy into. I certainly do. And so Zadarius Smith would be uh, my slam dunk defensive player of the year for this Green Bay Packers team. He, he's been incredible. I mean, he has, uh, you made the case on Packer Report, guys. Check that out. And I'm not even shilling because that's a free one. Uh, check that out. The the Smith brothers, specifically Zadarius Smith, despite the uh, unbelievable unbelievable amount of money they signed for, which caused a lot of wringing of hands, even uh, you know by folks that are pretty well respected, uh, just because they hadn't ever been elite players before. Not only are they, are they are they elite, but frankly, they're underpaid. They're producing at a level higher as it relates to the NFL than what their salary is, which sounds insane, but I mean, it is accurate. That it absolutely uh, is happening. So uh, I, I just couldn't be more impressed with the free agent signings, and I think that that's you know another place where you could have a conversation too is just uh, value over replacement, you know, in, in Adrian Amos, how much more he brings to the table than the strong safety that was there before him in Kentrell Bryce. It's night and day. I mean, there's a reason Kentrell Bryce isn't in the NFL anymore. And Adrian Amos is, you know, one of the top, basically, players at his position. Just a fantastic, fantastic football player in, you know, exactly where he needs to be. Uh, maybe doesn't have the greatest hands, but he has two deflections that have directly led to other players getting interceptions. His steady presence is the absolute and complete opposite of of Bryce, and that's why I think there can be a case made for Amos. I think there can be a case made for Tremont, which I know sounds insane, but it, it isn't, especially if you have a chance to go and watch the All-22 and watch what he has done in the slot. Um, for that guy to give up only 19 receptions in a league that throws to the to the slot guy as much as this league does, uh, you know he, he's given up 19 receptions on 31 targets with uh, another you know two pass breakups and an interception. He is playing unbelievable football for a man of his age, and frankly, un- unbelievable football for anybody. And I hope that people understand just how well he's playing and then the other guy that you can make a case for is Kenny Clark uh and that's sort of an Aaron Rodgers case in the sense that if anything were to happen uh, to Kenny Clark it would be a bad day 
uh, on the Packers defensive line. They don't have anyone on the roster who can come even close to replicating what he does. Uh, that includes Montrevious Adams, who's been not very good. That includes Tyler Lancaster, uh, who I, you know I think has been downright bad. Um, the, but but ultimately, I think you're right. I mean, it is Darius Smith. I'm talking a lot to get to uh, to a point that is basically the exact same point that you ultimately made. But um, I, I think that it's closer between Kenny Tremont and Adrian than. Uh, folks might might think yeah um <clears throat> great points all across the board there uh offensive player of the year mine since i gave my mvp to lafleur uh i'd give it to the offensive player there to rogers and i won't talk about that because i think you basically hit everything that needs to be talked about with rogers he is as far as moving this moving the ball he's the guy that does it he's the straw that stirs, stirs the drink um so i'll open the floor for you who would you pick for your offensive player of the year after 10 weeks Right. So, I mean, that has to be Aaron Jones, right? I don't think there's a barometer of this team more than Aaron Jones. You look at the games that they play well. This is something Gilbert Brown and I talked about on our podcast. Uh, By the way, please subscribe, rate, listen, uh, write a review, do all the wonderful things that you need to do over on the pod there. But um, one thing we talked about was the barometer that Aaron Jones is. Look and see his statistics in in uh, Green Bay's two losses. It is striking how different his production is in the loss to Philly and the loss uh, ultimately to Los Angeles as opposed to his banner day uh, against the Vikings, his banner day against the Chiefs, uh, what he was able to do even against Oakland uh, where, where I think Jamal Williams got some shine he just has the ability to break a game open either way in the pass game or the run game. And that's my offensive player of the year. If we're going by the, you know, don't give the offensive player of the year and and the MVP to the same guy type of shtick. Yeah. And he's, he's a special player. I mean, leading the league in touchdowns right now. He probably isn't now, I suppose after their bye week, but heading into the bye, he was heading, you know, leading the league in touchdowns. Like that's, that's incredible. That's just, that's what, like 40% of probably the Packers offensive production. So hard to give it to anyone else. Uh, 24, 24 year old running back. Uh, he's a stud. It's speaking of young guys too. rookie of the year. Um, a lot's been actually kind of made Ross about Gutenkunst 2018 class getting Jair. And then really no one else has been that great. Uh, but this 2019 class has, looks like it's got some horses. Um, one of those guys, and I, I would I would venture to say uh, you are going to agree with me on this, but I think slam dunk rookie of the year has got to be Elton Jenkins, the left guard out of Mississippi State. Um, if you agree with me on that, Ross, I just want to let you riff on the big guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's clear. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I, I like that first class of Gutekunst just fine. I'm not ready to give up on Josh Jackson or Oren Burks. Uh, Cole Madison, I think, is just unfortunately for him been a result of the investment in Billy Turner and the the Elton Jenkins. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think uh, that's a difficult one. J.K. Scott is very good at what he does. Uh, MVS is a legitimate starting caliber starting caliber receiver, and uh, I'm not ready to give up on Equinamia St. Brown either. 
you look at the addition of Hunter Bradley, whether or not you think that's important. But the point being, if you're going to get a star, two or three legitimate contributors and still have uh, two other top 100 picks you're not ready to give up on, I think we just need to pump the brakes on that deal. But, uh, yeah, the Elton Jenkins things is obvious. I I wrote this on Packer Report. I think he has a legitimate case uh, for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He won't win it. Josh Jacobs will. And, frankly, Josh Jacobs deserves it. Uh, with the way that he's played. He's not just a good rookie running back. He is a top running back in this league, period. Uh, but but Elton has been as good at playing left guard as any player has been at playing their position who's a first-year player, uh, not, which is not to say I don't think Rashawn Gary's going to work out. I've seen a lot of the same issues uh, that, that made me not be super high on him coming out. Uh, but, you know, those are things hopefully Mike Smith can figure out uh, I, I still f- believe a lot in Darnell Savage. I don't know if his issue is health or hitting the rookie wall, uh, you know, or what his issue is. I am, I'm honestly not quite sure. But I, I think if you're trying to make it anybody but Elton Jenkins, you're fooling yourself. And Savage would be the other guy that I think has played well in spurts. That injury, he has not been the same since coming back from that. He did have that really nice play at the end of the Panthers game that was negated by Preston Smith being offsides. But that really was the first, you know, we'd seen from him in a while. That the, that explosion, you know, that that click and close that he has. Um, I'm still really high on him as well, but. One thing that did and does worry me about him is he's kind of a small guy playing that position in the NFL. Um, But time will tell, as it always does. Um, And speaking of time, the Packers have six weeks left of this season. Uh, This is it. This is the stretch. This is the run that they need to make um, heading into the playoffs. They obviously want to lock up a one or two seed. I'm going to have a chance at that one seed this week. And home field advantage would be huge. Um, clearly, because this is a very good NFC. Um, but I really want to talk about so a guy on offense and a guy on defense that is gonna kind of that's gonna need to improve and step their game up to really improve this team for that final run. And I'll go ahead and start with the offense. And my guy is a guy that I've really I've really liked since February of last year. And that's Jay Sternberger. Uh, the tight end, the rookie tight end out of AM. And the reason I put him on offense is because honestly, the offense is it's pretty good. It's a, the offense, it's not pretty, it is good. The, they have a very good offense in Green Bay right now. And if Sternberger could come in and basically just be a threat up the seam, it just even if he can do that one thing offensively, and I think he can do that, that's what he was very good at um, at Texas AM uh, his senior year. Uh, but one thing that really impressed me about him in his last game, and Ben Fennel actually spent some time looking at this, was he blocked way better. That was that was the best blocking tape I've seen Sternberger put on in his career. Um, and he's not a guy that can come in. He's not a guy that's going to come in and, and move anybody off the ball. But in his own blocking scheme, uh, he can move, he can get out, he can seal, and he did a good job of that in the last game. So uh, it's interesting you know, tight ends are always interesting because you want to say, oh, this guy can't block. He can't do this or whatever. One, tight ends are extremely underutilized in the college game. And two, with Sternberger, one thing that was always interesting with him in his college game is he spent his first three years at KU, which Lord knows what they're teaching him how to do. You know, (laughs) so uh, you can't really, 
you can't really get too low on his blocking. And then when he comes to A and M, they they see this guy that's like, wow, he's he's an athletic, uh, seam type guy. Let's use him that way. If he's if he has to stay in and block, why? And so why even waste our time trying to teach him how to be good at that? So um, there's always a narrative. There's always a story behind these guys. And and you look at you know Dallas Goddard, a guy Ross that you're super familiar with, was not used in the run game very much at South Dakota State. And here he is year two into his season. And I would say he's one of the better, better well-rounded tight ends in the game. Um, so can Sternberger be that way? I don't know to, to that level. But if he can give the Packers offensively what he did in the, in the run game and pass game as a blocker last week, and you can sprinkle in what you think he can already, what you pretty much know he can already do, and that's uh, get up and press the seam. I think you have a guy that can really be helpful down the stretch. Um, but Ross, as far as what, what are you thinking as far as offensive guys um, that maybe guys that have been playing all year that just need to tick their game up just a little bit or, or kind of a guy out of nowhere like Sternberger? The guy I think that really holds the keys to the kingdom, uh, and I've mentioned his name already, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. If Scantling can get healthy and be who he was when Devontae was down while Devontae is up, there is no ceiling for this offense. And and I might be you know I might sound hyperbolic there I'm not uh, guys we need to understand what an offense with a deep threat of Scantling's caliber an all pro of Adams caliber a quarterback like Rodgers a pass blocking offensive line and Aaron Jones against a light box could actually do to any defense and I you know I'm not just in people don't understand. The Packers have played an extremely difficult schedule, and, and that should be, not be understated. Their 8-2 and two record is absolutely earned. I think they were second in DVOA as far as most difficult schedule. So for them to be 8-2 and two at this point is really, really impressive, and specifically on offense. I just, man, if, if Valdez Scantling can play like the kind of 1B, 2A type of guy that he was while Adams was out, I, it's a, it's a scary proposition. And that's, and he's a really good one too, because he just brings something that no one else has. Even, even with the rise of Alan Lazard, who I think we both really like, but he just doesn't have that extra gear like MVS does. Like most, I mean, like a lot of guys just don't in the NFL. So yeah, that's, I like that one a lot. Actually, that's a good pick. Uh, defensively for me is a guy that's been a stud. I mean, he's been good all year. Uh, but that's Jair Alexander, uh, one of my favorite guys on this team to watch. Um, but what I mean, and I'm not trying to – how do I want to word this? I'm not trying to say he's been bad. He's been streaky at times. We've seen really good Jair, and we've seen average to below average Jair. Um, but we've also seen a guy that's left plays on the field. And we saw it you know, last week against Carolina. He could have sealed the game with that, with that pick. And what's super – interesting to me is you know going back to scouting him coming out of college those were plays that he didn't leave on the field so that it's really interesting to watch a guy that had really good ball skills at uh, at Louisville to come into the NFL and only have two picks in his first two years Um, that's really the next thing I think in his game that can take this defense and take his play to the next level is just finishing those plays catching the ball you know football is a game of throwing the ball and catching the ball Jair needs to catch the ball better. I think he would be the first one to tell you that. He's just left too many plays on the field. Um, if he can start making those plays, uh, he's he's a field tilter and he's a game changer. 
And that's kind of what the Packers need for this defense. They have some dudes that can do that already in the Smith bros. Those guys are game changers as well. Uh, but Jair's, Jair's got the highest potential um, on the back end to really start making those plays uh, and making teams pay for, for being under pressure by the Smith brothers. Um, so Jair is my guy on defense that I would love to see uh, really just tighten things up and just be the player that we think and know that he can be um, at his highest level coming down the stretcher. Yeah, I'm going to kind of full-on cop out here, if that's fine. Uh, I, I've got a number of guys uh, that, that will define the rest of the season, and here's here's who it is. Excluding the Smith brothers, right? And then excluding Kenny Clark, the other three players in the nickel defense. So Blake Martinez whoever lines up next to Blake Martinez and the other defensive linemen on the field. I need to see more out of Dean Lowry. He got paid. I need to see that Montrevious Adams doesn't get thrown on the bust heap after this season because uh, I think that's a possibility. This is year three for him. Uh, I need to see that year three jump. It hasn't happened. He has not been particularly good. I think that uh, a defensive lineman to pair with Kenny Clark is a sneaky high draft uh, desire or necessity. I still kind of wish that they'd reach out to Muhammad Wilkerson, but that's a different uh, topic for another day. Blake Martinez has to be early season Blake. I know it's popular to just say, oh, Blake Martinez sucks. Great. You have uh, succeeded in achieving hive mind, you know, with the rest of Twitter. Congratulations. Blake Martinez did not suck for the first month, month and a half of the season. He was excellent against the Lions. He was absolutely hair on fire good against the Broncos and honestly was exceptional uh, week one against the Bears as well. Uh, the Blake Martinez of the last month, specifically since the hand injury, has been terrible. Uh, he was bad against the Chiefs and worse against Carolina and the Chargers. He doesn't necessarily maybe need uh, to go to first uh, month of the season, Blake, but he's got to find a way to at least get to 2018, Blake, uh, because that was a guy that gave the Packers a thousand snaps and a thousand quality snaps, basically during a season where you know they had nothing and. Uh, I think a lot of that was because of the amount of blitzing he was allowed to do, both run blitz and pass blitz, just because Petten literally had nothing, like no other way to generate pressure but then to make up stuff for Blake Martinez to do. Maybe they need to blitz him more. Maybe he needs to be attacking downhill because that was uh, a, a lot better, I think, for him than this in-space lost role that has made uh, folks so – angry for lack of a better word uh he's he's just he's been bad and uh the guy next to him has to step up as well because tight ends are absolutely eating this team alive backs out of the backfield i think aren't far behind them ibrahim campbell has to play better than he did or you know be replaced by oren burks uh bj goodson could be better the 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 inside four, so the two the two defensive linemen and the two linebackers beside Kenny Clark are what could potentially spell doom for this team in in uh, January. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, so looking ahead to the 49ers, and we're getting close on time here, so we'll just kind of gloss over this um, and leave a, leave a lot of meat on the bones for the rest of the guys that will be talking about this game. Um, so looking ahead to the 49ers, I want to talk about so three things, three things that scare you about the 49ers and three things you are confident about the Packers. Um, so I'll go go ahead and go first. So three things that scare me about the 49ers, I think first and foremost, is that front seven, that pass rush is nasty. You look at the way the uh, Bosa and Ingram were able to take over that Chargers game and really kind of wreck it for the Packers. Uh, big time potential of that happening this game as well if they do not have a better plan for them. Uh, secondly, 49ers run the heck out of the ball. They run the ball really well. Uh, well we will get a firsthand look at what the Packers were able to try to figure out on this bye week as far as what they can do in the run game or or heck, if they even care if the people run the ball on them. And I think there's a case to be made about that. Um, but then my third thing is Kyle Shanahan. I, I think he is just an excellent head coach. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur is in the mold of uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, but he, I think he's just going to put together a great game plan. We saw it. Uh, last year with a backup quarterback, they were able to move the ball all up and down the field on the Packers. Um, so he scares me. And then uh, to kind of pair with that is we have another West Coast game. Uh, they did not do well in their last West Coast game. Um, so those are three things that scare they me. They haven't been good on the West Coast for 25 years. They really haven't. Yeah, they really have not. Uh, but uh, so three things I'm confident about with the Packers is I just talked about Kyle Shanahan, but the Packers have a pretty good young head coach themselves in Matt LaFleur. I am excited and confident um, that he's going to have this team ready. He's going to have this team up for this game. Um, if you can't get up for this game, I have some serious concerns about the uh, the level of this team and, and what they will be able to do in the playoffs because this is going to be really their first, not first, but this, this will be a playoff environment. Um, the second thing I'm really confident about is how healthy this team is. Uh, I, I can't remember. And it, it's crazy that we're saying that with the last decade of health issues, these Packers teams have had, but I, it, I, they are so healthy. These guys, they're ready to roll. They got dudes ready to play. So I'm excited about that. And the last thing I'm confident about is Jimmy G is going to give this Packers team chances. Uh, I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a product of the aforementioned Kyle Shanahan, and I think he is uh, a, basically a, a, a lesser version of like a Kirk Cousins, like a guy that he you, you'll look at him. He's got some nice numbers at times, but he will give your defense chances. If you go back and watch his last few games, uh, he, he's a, he's a multiple pick a game guy if if you just catch the dang ball. So. Those are my three things that scare me, and those are my three things I'm confident about. Ross, lay it on me. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting matchup. Um, you know, I worry about the West Coast thing. Uh, I worry about you know the the Mike Pettin getting his ass kicked by Kyle Shanahan uh, type of deal, but ultimately you have to feel okay about this just in the sense that the Niners looked really beatable. And this is a game that I think green Bay probably locked in a little bit harder after Minnesota competed, completed their uh, comeback win over the Broncos. That was a huge deal. Um, I think that 
loss or potential loss to Denver would have basically locked Minnesota into the wild card because of their inability uh, to win um, to, to to win games in the division. They've already lost to the Packers. They've already lost to the Bears. Uh, the the Packers obviously being undefeated so far in the division. Even if they were to win that Christmas game in the Metrodome, and and so far I, I think the Vikings will win that game. Um, it wouldn't matter. You would still have NFC North champion Green Bay Packers. Yesterday would have provided some some very welcome breathing room for the Packers. And I think they're going to be really locked in knowing that they should stay. Uh, they should stay a game ahead of the, of the Vikings if they are able to do so with Minnesota on by and not drop back down into a tie. Uh, but ultimately, the thing that I'm confident in is the next two, the next three weeks after this game uh, at New York against the, the the Redskins at home, and then against the Niners, or excuse me, against the Bears at home, I I would have a hard time believing that by by hook or by crook that the Packers aren't somehow eleven and three or better going into week 16 against the Vikings. Yeah. And that's, you want to talk about playoff atmosphere games. There's, there's the two biggies coming up is the Niners and the, and the Vikings, you know, and then the Packers are going to need to take care of business um, outside of that. But uh, that's the thing though. If you take care of business outside of that and you drop, say you don't even go one-on-one, if you drop both of those games, Detroit is going to have completely punted on their season. Uh, you're talking about Matt, you know, Matt Stafford with a back injury. If, if they're out of the playoffs, they're not going to bring him back. I don't, I don't think, you know, so you got Jeff Driscoll basically in a game where you could win the North. You're still talking about 12 and four. Uh, I, I don't see how Minnesota gets to, gets to third, you know, runs the table here and goes 13 and three. I, I just, I don't see it happening. I mean, I think they're going to lose in Seattle coming off the bye. Uh, I don't think going out to Los Angeles and beating the Chargers is a guarantee either. And then they have to actually win the game, you know, against Green Bay. So it's uh, it's an interesting look. And I, I suppose some of that needs to play out as well, and we'll get a more clear picture of that as it as it comes. But say these both these teams are 12-4, and four, do you know who I, – I, that's? Yeah, it would be the Packers because of – and in, 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 so let's say let's just say for for fun that they lose to the Seahawks and then win their last four. The, the, they being the Vikings, right? So that's eight and four. Now you're twelve and four, and you have gone four and two against the division because right now they have a win banked uh, against the Lions. They have a loss banked against the Packers and a loss banked against the Bears. So they would then sweep Lions, Packers, Bears coming home. But Green Bay would be 5-1 and one against the division because in this scenario, they sweep the Bears, they split with the Vikings, and split with the Lions. And so on a head-to-head, and Green Bay has already earned the split with the Vikings by virtue of their Week 2 win. After head-to-head, it would go to division record, and that would have the Packers 
at five and one and the Vikings at four and two. And then it would go to conference record, which I don't think, you know, but uh, I, I honestly, I, I really do believe that Green Bay is going to finish the season with a one game better record than the Vikes. Uh, I think it would have been a huge deal, obviously, if Denver would have held on. I think that really would have caused a problem for the Vikes because then you, you, you're in a situation where you lose to the Chiefs and you lose to the Broncos, you lose to the Seahawks, you've lost three out of four, and people are starting to wonder, you know, uh, <laughs> people are basically starting to wonder if the wheels are falling off. To save us all from those scenarios and having to do the math and all that stuff, let's let's just hope the Packers go and win these games. Everything's in front of them. Um, yeah, a win against San Francisco would be absolutely massive. It would be just it would it would be huge, potentially season defining. Yeah, no, yeah, a win against San Francisco and, and the Packers absolutely have their foot on the throat of the Vikings. Um, they just need to finish it. So uh, this will be a big week, and uh, it's gonna be exciting. They're two good teams, two good coaches, two good well, one good quarterback and one handsome quarterback. But uh, other than that, uh, Ross, I don't have anything else, man. And uh, this is gonna be a big week. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, make sure I'll, I'll plug it again. If you if you have not, um, go ahead and check check on or go ahead and head on over to packerreport.com. Um, check out any of the specials we got. Give us a chance over there. I think you'll really like it. Um, and then also go check out the uh, the Gilbert Brown podcast that Ross has got going on. Both really awesome things. I do not think you'll be disappointed. Um, but thank you guys for listening right here on Pack a Day podcast. And as always. Go, Pack Go. First and 10 for the 17 to San Francisco. Get Jones around the right end, gets a block, makes the turn, 10 to the 5, to the end zone. Second and two, six-yard line to Minnesota, tied at seven apiece. Graham tight end right side of the line, three receivers punch to the left, Rogers under center. It's motion to the right, here's the pitch, Jones around the left end. He's got Bakhtiari blocking in front, Jones makes the turn to the pylon, to the end zone for the touchdown. Second and short, get Jones, big hole, right side, 20, 15, 10, to the end zone, touchdown! Takes the snap, delay, hands it off, Jones up the middle with a burst, there he is, 15, 10, 5, high stepping, end zone, touchdown! Packers aren't going anywhere today, they are here to play! 33-yard touchdown burst! To match the number on the jersey of Aaron Jones. Oh my goodness, what a play. Jimmy Graham wide to the right side. Three receivers bunched tight on the left. Aaron Jones on the left side of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers in shotgun. And off Jones, picks his way off the right side, fights for the goal line, and did he get in? Yes, he did. Touchdown. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks in under center. From the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff up the middle. Big hole. Trey Here's Aaron Jones. Off to the races. To the 20. To the 15. To the 10. Down the left sideline. And he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the five yard line of Miami. Aaron Jones with a first. 67 yards. 